Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. And you can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you, including guests, William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. We'll be talking about what's happening on Capitol Hill. Dr. Marlene Wust-Smith has written a piece on Real Clear Health. So interesting. She's a pediatrician and founder and publisher of Physician Outlook magazine. We'll also visit with Timothy Head. He is the executive director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition located in Georgia. be interesting to get his thoughts on the indictment. And Larry Bell, <clears throat> endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of many books, his latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design, will visit with Professor Bell as well. It is August the 18th, and on this day in 1795, President George Washington signed the Jay Treaty with Great Britain, the treaty known officially as the Treaty of Amity, Commerce, and Navigation between his bright Britannic Majesty and the United States of America attempted to defuse the tensions between England and the United States that had risen to uh, renewed heights since the end of the Revolutionary War. The U.S. government objected to English military posts along America's northern and western borders and Britain's violation of America's neutrality in 1794 when the Royal Navy seized American ships in the West Indies during the wars, England's war with France. The treaty, written and negotiated by Supreme Court Chief Justice and Washington appointee John Jay, was signed by Britain's uh, King George III on November the 19th, uh, 1794, in London. However, after Jay returned home with news of the treaty signing, Washington, now in his second term, encountered fierce uh, congressional opposition to the treaty. By 1795, its ratification was uncertain. Leading to the opposition to the treaty were the two future presidents, Thomas Jefferson and James Madison. At the time, Jefferson was in between political positions. He just completed a term of Washington Secretary of State from 1789 to 93 and had not yet become John Adams vice president. Fellow Virginian, James Madison was a member of the House of Representatives. Jefferson, Madison, and other opponents feared the treaty gave too many concessions to the British. They argued that Jay's negotiations actually weakened American trade rights and complained that it committed the U.S. to paying pre-revolutionary debts to English merchants. Washington himself was not completely satisfied with the treaty, but considered preventing another war with America's formal uh, colonial master a priority. Ultimately, the treaty was approved by Congress on August the 14th, And with uh, exactly two-thirds majority it needed to pass, Washington signed the treaty. Four days later, Washington and Jay had won the legislative battle and averted war temporarily, but the conflict at home heightened a deepened division between those of different political ideologies in Washington, D.C. Jefferson and Madison mistrusted Washington's attachment to maintaining friendly relations with England over revolutionary France, who would have welcomed the U.S. as a partner in expanded war against England. <clears throat> Boy, those folks uh, love war, didn't they, back in the day? <laughs> Just like today. So unfortunate. 
Well, a new study found that cases of cancer for people in their 30s went up to almost 20% since 2010. Researchers looked at data from more than 560,000 patients. For some age groups, cancer rates went down or grew slightly. Not so for young women. Breast cancer was responsible for most of new cancers. Cancers affecting the digestive system, like colon cancer, are catching up with the fastest growing growth rate. In all, cancers for women under 50 increased by more than 4% from 2010 to 19. Meanwhile, new cases for men dropped nearly 5%. Why the disparity? So interesting. Why is this happening? It's not clear. Experts say obesity, drinking, and not getting enough exercise could be to blame. Others say environmental factors like exposure to pollution and toxins could play a role. I hope someone is investigating the impact of the COVID-19 vaccines. I think that could play a role as well. And the, the study reportedly did not say what stage each cancer was caught, so it's unclear whether cancer is popping up earlier or if cancer is being diagnosed at an earlier point of the disease. What's clear is that doctors are seeing more and more cases each year, and young women are especially at risk. Over 600,000 people die from cancer in, in the U.S. every year. Cancer in young Americans is still relatively low, but the rise in cases as research is saying more data is needed to understand the uptick. And again, I do hope, <clears throat> I, I hope that we're going to see more data about the impact and the negative impacts of these vaccines for COVID-19. In another story, a marijuana and hallucinogens uh, use, as, uh, use as well as binge drinking reached all-time highs among Americans aged 35 to 50. Uh, this is from the National Institutes of Health. Use of marijuana and hallucinogens, uh, otherwise known as psychedelics, continued an upward trend among the age group reaching uh, historic highs, highs in 2022. Additionally, uh, recorded levels of binge drinking for adults aged 35 to 50 reached the highest levels ever recorded for this group. The all-time high for marijuana use of Americans 35 to 50 reached 28% in 2022, which increased from 25% just a year prior and 17% from 2017. So it looks like uh, there's a trend towards more imbibing and more alcohol use, and uh, that's not healthy either for, for our young people. Well, this week, a federal appeals court ruled to roll back mail order access to the uh, drug for uh, automatic abortions since, two, I think it's called Mifprazone, uh, Mif Prazone. Uh, since 2016, the FDA has made the abortion pill increasingly accessible, including by allowing health care providers to prescribe it remotely. The drug has since become the most common form of abortion in the United States. Now the U.S. Court, uh, appeals court has ruled that the mail part should end. <clears throat> it also said to reverse other FDA reactions, like decisions on who can prescribe it and when. The court said the agency failed to consider safety concerns by loosening the restrictions. Still, there's, and this is so interesting, there is no precedent for a court ever overriding the FDA's authority. No changes are going to effect yet, but the ruling means the Supreme Court of the United States could soon weigh in uh, right as the election season picks up. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, the military has established a task force and significantly expanded its engagement with over 400 service members, intensifying its response to the deadly and unprecedented wildfires on Maui. According to Pentagon spokesperson Sabrina Singh, 
The Defense Department is now overseeing the implementation of six authorized mission assignments from the Federal Emergency Management Association. Uh, these tasks encompass various activities such as transporting individuals, cargo, and supplies to the island, accommodating first responders and contributing aerial fight, firefighting efforts. Singh shared this information during a press conference on Tuesday. So that's a good thing. We can have 400 more people who are actually helping with, uh, solve the problem. The head of the Maui Emergency Management Agency, Administrator Herman Andaya, resigned amid mounting backlash over the agency's slow response to the Maui wildfires. Critics have called out the department for not sounding the alarms. When asked earlier this week if he regrets not sounding sirens, he said, I do not. I'm not kidding, he did say that. And Daya said it's because the sirens are generally used to warn the public about tsunamis. He added that he was worried people would head to higher ground and, and to the mountains where the fires were ablaze. <clears throat> now, Maui County officials say Andaya is resigning due to his health reasons and are looking for immediate replacement. The fires have killed 111 people, and the death toll is still expected to rise. The cause is still under investigation. I mean, this in Hawaii, <clears throat> we've heard a couple of officials say that they're so woke and they're including and thinking about equity and all kinds of things that have nothing to do with saving the people on the, uh, Lanaya and on Maui. It's just really a shame. Like, uh, uh, if you go woke, you go broke. That's what happens, and boy, the consequences here in Maui are just awful. <clears throat> well, Tropical Storm Hillary, which formed in the Pacific off the coast of Mexico and is moving northwest, has strengthened into a hurricane is expected to bring heavy rain and flash flooding to the southwestern United States. Next week, California, Nevada, and Arizona are forecast to receive 2 to 10 inches of rain, including drought-stricken areas. It's rare for a tropical storm system to make landfall in California because the water is so cold in the Pacific. However, the El Nino weather pattern is fueling higher tropical activity this year. The last tropical storm system to make landfall in California was 1939, such a long time ago. Anyhow, we'll be thinking good thoughts for those people uh, facing what we faced with Ian, although it looks like the uh, conditions will be not quite as severe as with Ian. Well, the average rate for most common type of mortgages in the United States has risen to almost 7.1%, according to data from the survey lenders by mortgage financing giant Freddie Mac. The figure for 30-year fixed loans is the highest since December 2001 and is up two percentage points over the last year and more than 4.4% from the all-time low seen in January 2021. Among other factors, mortgage rates are influenced by the Federal Reserve, which hikes the Fed rate, of course, and it's up to 5.5% over the past year. <clears throat> Higher mortgage rates... <clears throat> Excuse me. Mean higher costs for would-be home buyers, and tend to cause a slowdown in the housing market. Sales of existing homes dropped by almost 19 percent year over year in June, according to reports. Though the median price increase is $410,000, close to an all-time high. For context, a buyer making 20 percent down payment on a median-priced home would pay $465,000 in interest over the life of the loan which would be more than the cost of the house itself. So interest rates are up, and of course it's going to slow people saying to themselves, you know what, yeah, I'd like to move, but I don't want to uh, 
give up my low mortgage rate. I want to stay in the home that I have right now and wait until things improve financially. So just more evidence of Bidenomics. Well, Fitch Rating affirmed uh, Florida's AAA credit rating, the highest rating available. This announcement follows Fitch, uh, a recent downgrade of the federal government's credit rating from AAA to AA+. The uh, AAA rating reinforces Florida's position as the standard bearer among states and the federal government for sound fiscal responsibility. Florida has maintained the highest rating category by three major credit ratings for five consecutive years. That's terrific. The reporting uh, reinforces that Florida is well positioned to maintain a high level of fundamental financial flexibility through economic downturns with broad expenditure and revenue controls buttressed by robust reserves and comes weeks after uh, Governor DeSantis denounced the Florida paid off nearly one quarter of the state's outstanding debt since he took office in 2019. So congratulations. This just really puts us in good stead as we face uh, financial times going forward. And again, the legislature, the governor, just done a terrific job here in Florida. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with William Yateman, Senior Legal Fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. 
Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Lula B's Diner is now serving dinner Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. And the menu is terrific. The food is great, great value, informal. And uh, if you're looking for just a night out, just to enjoy a casual dinner, Lula B's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Timothy Head. He's Executive Director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition in Georgia. Right now we have with us William Yateman. He is a Senior Legal Fellow with Pacific Legal Foundation. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure, William. Tell us about the Pacific Legal Foundation. You bet. We're a nonprofit law firm, and we defend Americans for free from government overreach and abuse. It is uh, pacificlegal.org, pacificlegal.org. It's a website. Check it out. They just do great work. So, William, uh, let's talk about what's going on in Capitol Hill. And now it seems that Speaker McCarthy's may have made a deal with Schumer about some sort of a a funding mechanism to get us through December. I wonder if you could comment. Well, no deal between House Speaker McCarthy and Senate Majority Leader uh, Schumer yet. Um, But there was, I guess, bad news coming out uh, from the Speaker McCarthy on Monday. Mm -hmm. Uh, He announced on a phone call to his caucus that leadership would be seeking to pass a stopgap spending measure known as a continuing resolution um, when lawmakers return next month. And and again, this is terrible news. Um, We've discussed this before. There is a process by which Congress is supposed to, to pass its appropriations bills. Um, This process has been in place since 1974. It entails all sorts of deliberation and tough decisions. Over the last few decades, Congress has abandoned this process and put spending on basically autopilot, which is what this continuing resolution is. Um, So this is more of the same earlier, you know, in prior months, as we've spoken about before, McCarthy had indicated that um, the House GOP was going to roll up its sleeves and was indeed going to do this hard work and make these hard choices. Um, and they, they've, thus far, they've only passed one of the 12 appropriations bills. Um, and I was hopeful that during this six-week recess, when they're actually not in Capitol Hill, um, that their subordinates would be working furiously on, on you know, some sort of putting together these spending packages. Um, but alas, this call on Monday indicates otherwise. And what you were referring to at the outset was Senator Schumer leaping on the politics of that call. Yeah. Um, so he had a press conference yesterday when he announced he welcomes um, uh, this decision by Speaker McCarthy, and uh, uh, you know his support should um, should be telling. So it's kind of interesting. I mean, I, I get the fact that they're coming back from recess and they have a packed agenda, especially with all the uh, subcommittee meetings going on. I get that, but. You know, is there any kind of upside for this? Uh, frankly, no, um, just because, well, <laughs> no. Uh, I guess the alternative is a government shutdown. Um, uh, and I'm not, at, you know, I'm not seeking chaos and turmoil or whatnot, but um, I would say, you know, I'll, I'll put it this way. 
Um, Congress is in session for about 40% of the work work days every year. And I think right now the six-week recess is indicative of of their work schedule. Um, So I I don't want to resort to umbrage here, but frankly, it's outrageous. I mean, you know, there is a work to be done. This is Congress. The power of the purse is their preeminent power. It's their most important job. And the fact that spending has been on autopilot for decades, um, it's not good enough. Yeah. Thank you for that, William. I think that's great insight. Now, let's move to the uh, fourth indictment of Trump in Georgia. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I, even progressives are worried that this one is overreached. And I shouldn't chuckle because this is no laughing matter. Um, but as I'm no doubt your listeners are aware it's 41 count, counts, uh, felony counts were brought against Trump and, and 18 alleged co-conspirators. Um, Trump was hit with 13 felony counts. Um, you know, each of these counts carries a minimum um, of years in jail time. I mean, cumulatively, it's, it's hundreds. Um, the arrest warrants have been issued, so all the defendants uh, have until August 25th to turn themselves in. Um, the, the DA, the Fulton County District Attorney, Fannie Willis, she gave a late-night press conference uh, concomitantly with, with the indictment. Um, in which she, you know, she emphasized the prison time uh, aspect, and, and she was being somewhat cavalier. Um, this, you know, this is again, we've got another. I'll put it this way: if you're going to charge an ex-president and the current leader in the polls for in the Republican primary for the 2024 campaign, you know, it better be an airtight case. Right. And again, we've got another novel legal theory, another tenuous legal theory. Um, and, and this is sprawling, I, I think, is an understatement. So it is it's it's not just that I question the unfairness of the former president. Um, you know, I, I, I worry about what this presages, what this augurs for the country. I mean, yeah. it's politicized prosecutions going to become the norm. Um, so this is, uh, you know, it, I, I question this exercise of prosecute, prosecutorial discretion. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it seems to me that's thrown out the Bill of Rights, thrown out everything in order to try to get get Trump, and uh, it's and it, of course trying to schedule the uh, the uh, trial just before the uh, primaries, and uh, it's it's really egregious and it's so obvious. Obviously, I have no concern about public opinion. Well, I'll say this: you know, bounce back. I mean, these Trump was at his most popular. Um, during the first impeachment, yeah. I mean, that there is, it does rally public support. So I, I do wonder, you know, again, it seems obvious, again, it, it seems obvious these are politicized prosecutions, but I do wonder if it's going to boomerang back into their faces. Yeah. Um, but only time will tell. Well, it's certainly been that case in the past. Before I let you go, can you make any comments at all about special counsel being appointed by A.G. Garland? I mean, they, it, it's kind of like the hen, the fox is watching a hen house. <laughs> to be sure, um, I'd say on the one hand, uh, as I've noted or indicated before, I, I think appointing a special counsel is entirely appropriate. On the other hand, pursuant to the to the rules, these special counsel rules, they're supposed to come from outside the Justice Department, and they're certainly not supposed to be um, the gentleman who has been at the center of allegations that he's perhaps slow walked um, charges and and uh, uh, investigations against uh, Hunter. And the president. So uh, I agree in the appointment of the special counsel. I do think it, it gosh, I mean, why Weiss? Uh, and of all choices, it certainly 
um, is perhaps raises eyebrows. I mean, it does. Uh, one wonders about the sincerity um, to get to the bottom of these things. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I think it's one way to just take uh, Hunter Biden out of the equation because I'm quite certain that this is going to walk slow as molasses <laughs> going into the next election. So William Yateman, again, Senior Legal Fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. I encourage you to visit pacificlegal.org. William, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. Thank you, William. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Dr. Marlene Wust-Smith. She's a pediatrician. She's the founder and publisher of Physician uh, Outlook magazine, and she's also written a terrific column in Real Clear Health. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratoscale Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Golf Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Golf Shore Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities with dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, Gulf Shore Playhouse is building a 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center on three acres at the corner of 1st Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, the state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about this season's exciting productions, Visit GulfShorePlayhouse.org. That's GulfShorePlayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Right now we have with us Dr. Marlene Wust-Smith. She's a pediatrician in northern Pennsylvania. She's also the founder and publisher of Physician Outlook magazine. Dr. Wust-Smith, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you for having me, Bob. It's my pleasure. I was really excited to read your column in Real Clear Health. It's called Fix Medicare Payments. And I think there's some great possibilities uh, for uh, fixing what I think is a pretty broken system. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yes. So I'm a pediatrician, as you mentioned, and with 30-some-odd years of experience. And I think everything uh, stems from, in medical school, 
physicians are not taught the business of healthcare and what healthcare has become in the United States, and I'm guilty of the same. I used to kind of just shut my ears when I'd he- I would hear the word Medicare, and I would say, I-, I deal with kids. I don't need to worry about that. I'm young. You know, Medicare's for old people. I don't need to listen to that stuff, yeah. is, is what I used to think. Um, and then over the last decade, I've, I've become more and more aware of the mess we are in because of the way American healthcare has evolved. And so I, I want to say to everyone, no matter what your age and whether you're a physician um, specializing in pediatrics, geriatrics, geriatrics, you have to worry about Medicare, but really all of us have to because every single commercial insurance payer follows what Medicare does. So it's not just their problem, it's everyone's problem. So, you know, in essence, what I wrote about is that, you know, we have this cockamamie system that if you have the same exact procedure, so Medicare will pay, pays by CPT code, so uh, another convoluted system for another day, but you can have the exact same procedure done by your physician, let's say you've always gone to your same family doctor, um, you know, for 25 years and you get a procedure done. Uh, I think I used a, uh, ingrown hair or an abscess, but let's say you're, you're even, you see a podiatrist. Let's, say, let's put that example. And you get your toenails, um, you get ingrown toenails, and you have had that procedure done once a year in your podiatrist's office, which happens to be a few blocks from your local hospital. And the charge that, that, that podiatrist's office sends to your insurance company might be $100, okay? And, and you might have to pay a $20 copay with your insurance, and, you know, uh, they might pay 70 and, you know, the, the, doctor, the podiatrist has to write off a couple of dollars. That podiatrist, let's say, gets bought out by the hospital, which is now the trend. There's very few medical professionals, whether they're physicians, non-physicians, every single place you look, medical practices are being bought by large corporations. And part of the reason is this scheme, it seems, that the same exact procedure, that in the same exact zip code, the same exact office, nothing has changed other than a name on the wall and supposed support for the office that same $100 procedure suddenly is charged a hospital uh, Medicare fee or rate of three or $400. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And it, it just, there's so much inequity in this whole process. And I've, I've been seeing these large corporations you speak of, I'm seeing a lot of uh, uh, practices bought up. Uh, by hospitals, so to in order to, I guess, and did do, do doctors benefit for all from these increased fees? So no, that, and that's that's the part that makes that irks me because the patient sees, you know, this this bill and and may even get stuck with three hundred dollars of it because if they have a large uh, deductible or you know donut hole or all the other things that don't uh, allow payment. They're stuck with the bill, and guess who gets the bad reputation? Is the doctor like this greedy doctor went from charging a hundred dollars to four hundred? Yeah. They must be making bank with this hospital buyout. No, you know the opposite has happened. What what ends up happening when a practice is bought is that it, they're supposed to help the physician 
run their office. They're supposed to provide all this administrative support. The reality is that the private physician can no longer function in an insurance climate because that that same Medicare plan, you know, if there's a um, or commercial insurance plan, will not negotiate the same rate with Uh the doctor. So if you're not hospital affiliated, you get paid, you know, twenty two dollars. The hospital gets paid eighty two dollars. Wow. And you need to hire four people to fight for that $22. So you can't make it anymore. And begin to understand exactly why these hospitals are motivated to buy up practices. So um, one of the things I appreciate about your column in Real Clear Health, it's called Fix Medicare Payments, is you're offering a solution. Maybe you can tell us about it. So the solution is really a, uh, a bill that's being proposed. This is just one of the many um, uh, proposals in this. Uh, legislation. And I'll, I apologize. I'm going to look up the legislation because I think we should all get on the on the uh, horn and talk to our own legislators about supporting any any legislation that makes uh, things transparent. So it's HR three two eight one, and it's the Energy and Commerce Health Subcommittee um, that is working on legislation that will. Uh, that asks for transparency, including this site-neutral payment. And as you can imagine, the the hospital lobbying uh, groups and the hospital associations are very much against this because it's going to affect their bottom line. Absolutely. Um, So uh, I would take it then, uh, by having this bill, HR 3281, I think you said, Correct. I think what what this would do would do make it so that uh, there is equity in terms of p- uh, payments either to a private physician or to the hospital. That's correct. So so who would be this third party? Are there organizations already formulated that uh, could do this work? There's a, there's many groups that are uh, working on um, on this type of work and this type of fix. And, and, you know, even if things like this don't pass, what, what is so important is that you end up um, opening the Pandora's box so that we are aware of where the waste and the glut is going and why, um, why we need some sort of uh, reform. Because if we don't unwind these existing laws or enact new laws, that demand transparency and cut all this administrative glut. You're, you're, we're we're going to just keep drowning, and you keep hearing, especially in election years, let's let's get Medicare for all. Let's expand the system we yeah. have. The healthcare is too expensive. Let's let's you know let's make it fair for everyone. What people don't understand is that we're going to get more of this. We right. have already sold our souls to the four or five huge corporations who buy up. All of these, you know, the, 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 this is not a, um, this is by design. What's happening in our country is happening by design. And if we ever get something passed that looks fair, we, and we don't ask for details, what we're really doing is selling our souls to these huge corporations who make a lot of money yep. at the top and, and ration out the care to the rest of us in a way that's not fair. Absolutely. I'm personally for uh, having... Healthcare uh, patient-centric care that will allow patients, number one, to shop around for both quality and for price. I think that in and of itself would drive down costs. I personally would oh. like to buy a, a catastrophic care uh, type of health insurance program and uh, with deep discounts and perhaps have a medical savings account. That I think would, that would drive down prices enormously. 
Right. And, and I think if we could ever come up with a plan where the poor, your traditional Medicaid population, your um, SSI dependents, if we could come up with maybe even state-by-state state plans, because you can't just pull the rug out from people who have depended on right. assistance their whole lives. We've created this problem. But if we could uh, do some demonstration projects where you offer patients, you know what, you can keep your traditional card where you can go to the emergency room at no cost for anything, or you could, and you'll have coverage. Everybody should have catastrophic coverage, but incentivize the idea of having health savings accounts where you can even invest your funds, and I, I would be all for actually, in, you know, whatever, if it, especially if it gave me tax relief, let me, um, let me invest my money right. in the poor where I am, I'm giving them money for their health savings accounts, yeah. and if they don't use it, they, it stays in an investment account. As so, they age, they have more and more money, and if, they, if you teach people to be smart about their money, they would leave that money in that account and pay cash. Absolutely, Dr. Again, uh, the, the bill is HR3281. Uh, you can find out more by reading the column, Fix Medicare Payments at RealClearHealth.com. And uh, do call your congressman, and let's get some support for this bill that I think would save us a uh, well, really help us move in the right direction. Doctor, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, Doctor. Okay, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Timothy Head, Executive Director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition in Georgia. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. And a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now 
I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. Larry Bell and Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Right now we have with us Timothy Head. He is the executive director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition in, in Georgia. Timothy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Of course. It's always great to be with you. Thank you so much, Timothy. Tell us about the Faith and Freedom Coalition. So yeah, we're uh, we are based in Atlanta, Georgia, but uh, but we do uh, work across the country and in Washington D.C. And uh, you know, like our name suggests, we uh, we work on uh, public policy from a, a biblical worldview and a constitutional framework. And so we're uh, we work with uh, with uh, lawmakers across the country to work on public policy to that effect. And then we also. Uh, work to equip uh, people of faith, particularly uh, evangelical and Catholics, uh, who um, we, we want them to be effective, engaged citizens. And so we've been uh, been around for about 15 years, and um, you know we've been uh, been blessed to be able to have uh, a lot of success on public policy. But you know, uh, as as I said, we're based here in Georgia, and uh, you know, so unfortunately, we're having to. Uh, weather a little bit of a storm um, here lately with uh, with this this uh, district attorney that's uh, going a little bit rogue on us here. Yeah, you think so? <laughs> so yeah, let's talk about that because you're the center of the storm right there in Georgia with regard to what's going on, and I'd be interested in uh, what your thoughts might be on the indictment and how it might impact voters. Well, you know, uh, one of the things that we're starting to see uh, through now this this uh, kind of increasing drumbeat of uh, of um, either federal or local officials that are bringing uh, indictments against uh, Trump and and uh, some of his colleagues is that uh, in our justice system is is not exactly well we'll we'll just say that it's not immune to uh, critique. Uh, it needs to to kind of have uh, have the the light shined uh, shown on uh, on our justice system, just like every other part of our government. It's, right. it's not just one that we can just kind of uh, blindly kind of take uh, take take it at its word or take it face value. So I, I'm sitting here and I I see this, and uh, the cause and effect seems to be uh, once these new cases are announced, uh, Trump's popularity goes up. Uh, the uh, Resolved uh, for people who support Trump gets even stronger, uh, but is that what's in Georgia? What's going? On? I mean, to me, it uh, is this a, an expression of some sort of uh, anything that's unique to Georgia, or is she just a rogue uh, politician and, and rogue uh, prosecutor? Well, you know, the uh, uh, bear in mind that uh, you know one of the things I like to say is prosecutors are people too. Yeah. And uh, you know, just like we have uh, Alvin Bragg up in up in New York or in, in Manhattan, we also have Fannie Willis in uh, in Fulton County, which is the county that uh, Atlanta, Georgia, is housed within. 
Uh, she uh, is is not immune to political pressure, nor is she um, without political ambition. And right. so, uh, you know, that's there's uh, we've we've heard the uh, the expression that was kind of coined by Rahm Emanuel a few years ago: "Never let a crisis go to waste." Yeah. Uh, well, this is a, a never let a political opportunity you know pass you by. That uh, that any DA. Uh, you can you can pretty much guarantee the, the one thing that they will never pass up on is the opportunity for you know in this case practically global um, uh, PR for uh, for Fannie Willis that uh, you know did, did anybody know who the Fulton County DA was uh, you know a month ago or even even a week and a half ago for the for that for for that matter. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's that's uh, at least a significant component of what we're witnessing right now. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, let's uh, as I understand it, she filed for reelection our papers just a couple of days before the indictment was drawn. So uh, yeah, clearly she's got some political ambitions and wants to feed off of this. Unfortunately, a tremendous expense uh, to the people who are involved in the suit. I mean, there's 18 different uh, uh, people who've been charged in this and it's. As I understand it, she wants to charge all 18 at the same, or, or uh, uh, go through the process of trying them all 18 at the same time. Well, uh, that's right, and uh, and bear in mind uh, at least the date that's been set. So you know these things will all be kind of uh, this is going to be a prolonged, protracted uh, process here. But uh, they're actually the, the court date is set just a few days before the the March. Um, you know, so Georgia's part of this, the so-called Super Tuesday process right. uh, next, uh, early next year. Uh, so after Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, and um, and South Carolina, just about a week and a half, two weeks after that comes uh, comes Georgia and about fourteen other states. And so this this uh, you know uh, there are kind of eighteen other uh, uh, eighteen other you know pawns, I guess, in in this. That that uh, the district attorney is uh, Willis's plan uh, with the the king, or I guess it was it, the queen, maybe even you could say in in, uh, in this situation is uh, is Donald Trump because yeah. uh, she's she's trying to bring this uh, bring this whole kind of uh, house of cards down, um, you know, just days before Super Tuesday, which you know, frankly, should tell us all about about everything we need to know. Absolutely. So, how's this influencing conservative? And evangelical voters. Well, you know, there's uh, there's there's kind of a Georgia uh, element, and then uh, the rest of the nation. But I, I, you know, your comment just a, a couple of minutes ago, I think, is spot on. That that um, you know, the the biggest spike that Donald Trump has had in the last couple of years um, uh, in his own kind of uh, polling numbers came uh, in the days and weeks following the FBI raid of his uh, of his property down in Mar-a-Lago, you know, several months ago. Uh, so what we actually see is there's this kind of bounce that happens, uh, you know, particularly in, in days following these indictments. Uh, and, and frankly, you know, the, the content or the specifics of the indictments uh, is part of it. You know, there, there's all this kind of feigned um, uh, outrage, outrage and righteous indignation on, on by the left for all of these atrocities, alleged atrocities. Yeah. And then when we actually see the, the indictment and the specific charges... Uh, we're talking about a RICO charge uh, that yeah. uh, is used literally like for mobsters and, you know, drug kingpins, uh, cartel bosses. And, um, you know, uh, some of the people that were are included in this, these charges, you have to keep in mind, 
are Georgians that um, people in uh, that uh, know these people around Atlanta are like, I mean, this, you know, there's a there's a state senator um, from uh, suburban Atlanta named Sean Still, who is, uh, I mean, he owns a pool, you know, installation company. I mean, this he's known in the community as being, you know, a philanthropist and you know a, a dad of three kids, three daughters that are in like dance classes and drama classes. I mean, he's not a mobster, right? Right. And, I just, um, it's you know, just. But just it becomes just really kind of like a farce. It, it's not even like, um, you know, nobody in Georgia thinks, oh, my gosh, maybe Sean Still was, you know, caught up in a uh, a, a galactic criminal enterprise. They yeah. just think this is this is this is like uh, a punchline. This isn't. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's I'll like it's like uh, uh, the, she uh, and this whole procedure that should be that should should be criminalized and should be prosecuted. In my opinion, Timothy Hedigan, executive director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition, is there a web? What is your website, uh, Timothy? Yeah, our website is just ffcoalition.com. FFcoalition.com is the website. Timothy, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thanks Thanks so much. God bless. You as well. Thank you, Timothy. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round, Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Hartman Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. 
Uh, they help prepare elected officials for winning strategies in uh, the legislature. You can find out more by visiting the very robust website, thefga.org, thefga.org. And full disclosure, I proudly serve on their board. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's also the author of many books, also interesting, his latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design by Larry Bell. He also writes his column in Newsmax.com. It's called On Point. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Um, I always enjoy our conversation. Thanks so much for uh, having me on. Always a pleasure, Professor. Well, your latest column in Newsmax.com is called DOJ Foxes Guarding Justice Henhouse. Boy, that is a pretty good description of what we're seeing. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah. Um, these are interesting times. And uh, I think we're all recognizing, or most of us are recognizing and are paying attention there's a huge, huge battle raging and growing over you know, between the uh, executive branch and the congressional branch. Yeah, and and it's it's uh, you know the centerpiece is really we're we're seeing with uh, the weaponization of the Department of Justice. It's, it's become uh, absolutely. Uh, politicized, uh, I think you know it's blatantly so. Yeah, and and we see this centered on you know, the Hunter Biden treatment in in Delaware, and we see it uh, very broadly in terms of you know endless indictments of Trump and so on. And then we see the Congress, the House of Representatives, which thankfully uh, was. Uh, to the Republican side in 2022, and and that's really a huge deal because all of the uh, stuff that never got out of the committees with Pelosi, right? Uh, you know, this fight is is uh, is is escaping now, and all the demons and Hunter's laptop from hell, and so on, and the hearings. You know, we, we see oversight committee and judiciary committee and other committees. That, been very busy building, I don't want to say building, just building a case, but really getting information about what's been going on. And uh, it gets uglier and uglier and uglier. Uh, uh, the complicit media, of course, won't won't report these things because they're totally in, in the tank for uh, getting Biden reelected or any Democrat or any, you know, and, and uh, so we see this this battle raging on one hand the uh department of justice has the power to indict and uh in and and congress does not right and but beyond that the department of justice also has you know when they when they when they investigate they can claim that they can, you know, they can block witnesses, and as they've been doing, and information and stonewall requests for documents and so on, claiming there's an investigation going on. Right. And 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 the House has the ability to investigate, but getting their do getting their horse out of the barn is is, is the issue with, with the press because 
you know, they, they wallpaper, Democrats wallpaper everything over with a new indictment of Trump every time new information comes out, you know, to, to steal the, the news cycle. And uh, so we, we see this going on and on and on. And the, 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 uh, the game was really exposed with uh, the appointment of, you know, Weiss. Yeah. Special counsel, uh, the plea deal with Hunter. When I went to the judge, and she asked a very simple question: "Is this is this case still under investigation or not?" Because they had a side deal. Yeah. And the side deal was that Hunter would cop cop a couple pleas that are misdemeanors. It is. His hand slapped a little bit, very lightly, and all the other bad stuff would go away. Yeah. You have immunity from sex trafficking and money laundering, and you know they they let two felony tax beasts. You know the the statute of limitations expire. They fired all, replaced all the thirteen investigators been working on his case for. Over four years, and uh, and and they, you know, they they did everything they could to keep that investigation in Delaware from touching the big guy, your yeah. pops, you know, Joe Biden. And I think the American public, you know, they're they're busy playing mahjong and, and not really paying attention. And but even that, they thought, wait a minute, I wouldn't get away with that, right? If, if my my kids did that. They'd be in the slammer along with me, and 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 I think the 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 injustice of it, you know, and the transparent injustice of it. With all these indictments, you know, Trump's being indicted for, uh, you know, for you know the, the FBI raids his his residence and Melania's wardrobe closet for secret documents, and Joe's got him in his car in his garage. I know. Next to a sports car that that Hunter drives, and and in his center in, in Washington, and on and on and on. Everything they charge Trump with is is with with Joe. It's fourteen fourteen times more uh, serious. It, it is so true, Professor. And, and I think the people are seeing that in a perverse way. It's almost advertising. Well, we need Trump. Because because this dual system of justice, right? It just yeah, it can, the, the fox is guarding the not only guarding the hen house, but I said at the end of the article, it's like not only guarding the hen house, but they're reporting the the foxes are in, in charge of re- reporting on poultry casualties, and 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 they're covering up the trail of bloody feathers that leads right back to their den, <laughs> yes, it and, does. and you know. I think the public's waking up. On uh, one hand, I don't want to underrate the public. On the other hand, I certainly don't want to overrate them. Right. But I, th- I think the points that you're making are so... And I think we can all see... You have, to, you have to be able to see the injustice of this entire process, which I think simply underscores and elevates uh, Trump's popularity. Now, going into this debate, I don't know if he's going to show up, and I suspect he won't, but he's got a 40-point lead. 
that's unheard of. And uh, I think it's primarily because people are saying, you know, things are getting worse and worse and worse. We're watching what's happened with the Justice Department, with the FBI and these other agencies. We need to clean house. And I suspect that most people say Trump is the guy that could do it. Well, imagine the optics. If, if, if they get their way on this last, this fourth indictment, <clears throat> and they get a, and they get, a, and they make a mugshot of him at the jail. Yeah, and then they, and they, and they paper over every newspaper in the world with that picture. How it's going to enrage a lot of people, uh, and in as they gleeful as the, as the far left gleefully cheers at this. Mugshot victory that, that they've been seeking. If they get that, I think we're close to, you know, when I talk about a civil war, I don't mean a shooting war. Right. We're not going to, you know, take up arms against our neighbors. But there's the equivalent of that. I think we're, I think people see how we're, you know, the censorship society we have now and the stuff that's being taught in the schools and the and the crime and the border and the, you know, all of this really egregious stuff we've seen happening so fast. Uh, I think that, that, you know, people are starting to wake up and say, wait, wait a minute. This really does affect my life, my family, all right. my kids' future. We're being buried in, and on the practical side, we're being buried in debt, you know, and... yeah. And the transparent effects, you know, transparent uh, goals of let's let's retire student loans and all that kind of stuff, free stuff for people come across the border. Yeah, uh, is is people saying, wait a minute, that's not fair. That's not it's not America. We don't we don't buy we don't buy votes. At least we're not supposed to, and we don't imprison the opponents. So true, Professor, again, Professor Larry Bell. Uh, I want to just underscore, uh, go to the, uh, Newsmax.com and check out uh, Professor Bell's column, On Point. And again, uh, it is uh, just great reading. Uh, D- DOJ Fox's Guarding uh, Justice Henhouse. Also, his books are great as well. Professor, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And Bob, I always enjoy and appreciate the voice. Thank you. My pleasure indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you join us Monday. We've got some great guests as well. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>